there's something really special that happens when you dive deeper into really, really connecting and knowing your audience, like at a like psychographic level. So who are they? What are their fears? What keeps them up at night? What are their desires? What do they need? What are they struggling with? Like knowing them at that level helps you create content that is really built specifically for them. For some of the most pivotal years of my life, tears were tucked back and hidden behind a masquerade of being tough. Being a warrior, someone who could hustle, work hard, and get things done. But it wasn't until I started to get more in tune with who I really am that things took off in my business. Welcome to I Might Cry, a podcast exploring how heart, mind, body, and spirit are all deeply woven into the way we do business. With guest interviews from experts in business strategy, therapy, emotional intelligence, the human body, and so much more. I'm your host, Elizabeth Marks of Almond Leaf Studios. I've been capturing luxury weddings around the globe for decades and now have the privilege of educating others on how to build and grow profitable business doing what they love. I'm on a journey of self-discovery, of becoming more of the uniquely beautiful, messy, and complex human that I was created to be, and I want to invite you to do the same. Join me on this adventure of uncovering the walls we've built that keep us stuck in patterns of limitation so that we can journey into living life with arms and hearts wide open. Let's venture into this together. I'm so excited to invite my friend Sasha Kill onto today's episode. We are going to be talking about branding and design as well as some other things as well. So Sasha, let's start with who you are and what your company is and a little more about what you guys do. Hi, hi. I'm super excited to be on your podcast too. My name is Sasha Kill and I am a designer and a brand strategist. I run Outlaw Creative, a branding agency for female entrepreneurs really looking to build more powerful and profitable brands. I am an Enneagram 8. We love the Enneagram. So that means I'm like bold and adventurous. And I love a good challenge, which I feel like any entrepreneur can kind of relate to. Fun fact about me, uh, I used to be a wildland firefighter for about 8 years. I was on hotshot crews, a rappel crew. I rookied the smoke jump base in Missoula, Montana. And obviously that fit my Enneagram 8 personality really well. I loved that job. thought it was going to be my career forever. And then I met a guy, got married, kind of settled down in a way. And fast forward, you know, three kids later, move across the country. I am now... I've started my own business and I kind of now helicopter into my clients' businesses and really help them build up their brand from the ground up through, you know, brand strategy, discovery, of course, design, and then really a lot of like business coaching and consulting because the logo and the website and the visual piece is great, but there's much more that goes into a brand, right? Yeah. I want to get into what it's like and what your journey has been like to go from somebody that just is a designer into somebody that's managing all of that. So I'm super, super curious about that. But I think maybe let's start with getting really specific about brand. I think a lot of people, especially as creatives, one thing that I see happen and that I've definitely experienced is that I go, Hey, I need a website. And so I begin to DIY it because I'm new in my space. I don't feel like I can afford a new $10,000 website or, you know, hiring a brand strategist that maybe would be incredible. I just feel like that's not out of the cards for me. And so Mm -hmm. I go to DIY it and then I end up spending 
I mean, honestly, there's been times that I've probably spent 200 hours on like a website, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm really calculating that time. And then at the end of it, I still don't love it. I still feel like there's a lot that needs to change. And really, to be totally honest, at the end of that whole 200 hours, let's say process, my clients are not in love with my brand. So can you Mm -hmm. maybe start the conversation with that? Like from somebody that has experienced that, has lived that out, where do we even begin? How do we begin Mm -hmm. really using our time wisely if we're going to have to DIY it or be strategic about where we invest? What are some places that maybe you would say, here's what you need to know or where do we begin with that journey? Yeah. Oh, so much good stuff. So this is actually a common problem that I see with a lot of people that come to work with us. Like they've tried to DIY all the things and it's not working and they're frustrated and confused. And when everyone starts their business, I think the visual brand is something really exciting that people look forward to creating. They, they get excited about their logo or their colors and dreaming up what they want their website to look like and kind of browsing different website templates. And they get kind of excited about, you know, building up that, like I said, the visual piece of their brand. But I think it's really important to, before you dive into all of that, to take a step back and really get clear on what kind of who is your brand and what are you actually creating first. So being super clear on um, your ideal client and your audience, being really clear on your voice and your message and your brand story and all of these things, and then using design almost like a tool to help you tell that story. So it's not just some, you know, you're not just picking random colors that you like, but you're actually picking colors that actually, you know, help you tell that story. If you have a really if you, you know, part of your message for your brand, you want to bring up like a sophisticated kind of modern, friendly vibe to something, you want to pick certain colors that feel the same way or any type of visual. And so being clear on that part of your brand, I think is the key, key component before you start going into all the visual Yeah, that makes so much sense because I think a lot of times we do, we get excited when we see these beautiful templates and we start to imagine our work in that, especially as a photographer, you know, like I see it and I'm like, oh yeah, I could totally see my work in that or I could totally see my personality like fitting into this template instead of like almost like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, almost like you're like looking at a dress, you know, if you're shopping for something and you're like looking at this dress and you're like, oh yeah, I could totally see that. And then you try it on, you're like, oh, actually that doesn't fit at all. That is totally not my style. That does not work for my body type. That is Mm -hmm. not what I'm trying to pull off right now. It's not a good fit. And so what I hear you saying is like, no, you actually have to start with like, okay, well, what is your body type? You know, what is going to be the right fit? What are we really after here? Kind of starting from the ground up instead of just like, let's put something on, on top. Let's start from the roots. Like let's dig into the roots of who you are, what you want to attract. And then out of that, letting like the messaging flow. Cause I think copywriting is a huge part of it. You work very closely with copywriters as well. And then I I love what you're saying, even about the colors too. I know you've taught me a lot about that as well. Like that the colors are actually communicating a lot to your ideal clients as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Could you give some practical things with that? Like maybe, you know, what are some more like tans and neutrals versus more bright colors versus something that's more gray or more blue? Or are there things that come to mind for you of like these colors represent or tend to appeal more to this kind of client? Oh man, I could go down a rabbit hole with color <laughs> I really, I, I geek out on like all, all the little design details and especially color. I mean, color can evoke emotion and it really depends on where you are in the world too. Like certain colors in certain areas of the world or in certain cultures can mean different things. And so it's a whole, 
it's a whole thing. But you know, any anyone that's listening to the podcast, I have a, a brand quiz. Find your vibe brand quiz. Um, you can find it on my social media or on my website. It's just this fun, fun way of asking you a bunch of questions to kind of get an idea of the feel of your brand and then match that with a specific color palette. So, so good. Yeah, it's super fun. And it's just it's just kind of starting point to, you know, start to build out your brand, but it gives you kind of a direction. But I mean, there's certain like color psychology, I have a whole blog post about this too, but like um the color red is actually it's been scientifically proven to actually make you more hungry. So if you go into any restaurant or a lot of restaurants use the color red, yellow, of course, is like a happy color. Blue, um, I think it's 30% or more of, of logos and branding have blue in them because blue is a color of trust. And it's also very sophisticated. So many different things behind colors. but And there's also like, there's a plus side and a minus side, right? Like, so red can be a color of passion, or it can be a color of danger. So you just have to figure out kind of how you're using it. But again, total rabbit hole going down. No, it's so fascinating to me. I think it's so fascinating because I know a little bit about color theory based on my art upbringing, like my Mm -hmm. art training and the background or even like art therapy, you know, like different colors, you know, kind of emoting different things. But I think it's so interesting to bring that into your branding. It's, Mm -hmm. there's a, I think a really unique opportunity if you're really strategic with that, with the ability that that colors even would have to evoke emotion mm-hmm. and emotional response. I was just going to say, I think it's really, really important when you're thinking about colors or anything else for your visual brand to always be thinking about your audience. Because a lot of times, again, we're so excited at the beginning of creating our brand that we're thinking about what we like and what we're attracted to, but we're not thinking about our audience how we want them to feel, what kind of experience we want to create for them and what's going to be, of course, like they're attracted to and what resonates with them. So I think it's really important to kind of take yourself out of it. Yeah, totally. Let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about perceived value. I love teaching about this in my program called The Art of Booking. We talk about when I walk students through the process of like figuring out your numbers, like really diving deep into what you should be charging, how much you need to charge, how to raise your prices. If it doesn't feel comfortable to go straight to the numbers that you're coming up with, like, can we create a plan to, to get there? And I think a lot of times it's a mental shift that needs to happen. Like a, it's really a belief of, am I worth it? But there are some really detailed specific things that can back that up too. Like I don't recommend, you shouldn't just double or triple your prices without having the value behind that. So that may mean your skill set, but a lot of times your skill is actually there and it's just building that perceived value, that trust, the the kind of awareness of what you're getting once you purchase, once you make that kind of purchase, the psychology behind purchasing. And I think branding plays a huge, huge, huge role in that Mm -hmm. and building that trust as you're kind of like leading a client through, Hey, you just inquired to here's my credit card, right? (laughs) Like I'm ready to book you. So maybe we could talk a little bit about perceived value and about how branding can really play a huge role in that. Is that enough direction to kind of start that conversation? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's such a big conversation too. But I always, I always talk about brand as in, like, again, I think a lot of people think of a brand as like a, a visual brand. But I, I always try to spin it as I feel like it's more of your like the brand experience that you're creating and that like emotional brand behind everything. So, really, how are you speaking to your customer? How are you leading them through the process? And again, how you're telling your story through every single touch point. And I think that design plays a huge role in that because if you're telling them that you are all about quality and providing 
like this amazing experience to them, but then you have really kind of crappy, (laughs) a crappy system behind the scenes, like it doesn't make them feel seen or cared for. And it can be as little as like, how does your business card look? I mean, is your business card just a flimsy little thing that you printed out on your home printer? Or is it like a really luxe, amazing business card from Moo or something like that? Like these, these little tiny touch points help paint the picture of the value that you provide. And yeah, that perceived value can, I mean, the touch points in all these different areas of your brand can either hurt or help that. Absolutely. Yeah. I am thinking of a specific situation where, I mean, this has happened countless times, you know, because I've done weddings for so long now, but I can't tell you the number of times where like a DJ or a band or somebody will come up to me and be like, Hey, like I saw you, you know, taking pictures. Like we'd love to connect. We'd love to like share your stuff and promote you. And the moment they hand me a business card that looks like that, where you're like, you literally just printed this (laughs) off on your computer. Like I literally notice my, I just am like, Nope, done. Like I'm not like, there's nothing... I don't have any interest if I'm being truly honest, like that's, I'm not proud of that. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I definitely like immediately make some kind of a judgment internally of like, no, you're not somebody that is going to be mutually beneficial for me because I don't see you elevating my brand. And I'm curious mm-hmm. and interested in partnering up mm-hmm. and, and I will go way above and beyond with people that I know are going to be a great connection for me. Now, does that mean I don't serve people that I feel like are not a great connection? No, I still try to be very intentional with that as well. But I think all of that, my point being with it, like if that same DJ or band member would hand me a very, very beautiful designed you know, business card that like totally showcases like, Hey, we are luxury. Like we provide luxury for our clients. That is completely different ball game, right? Like my response mm-hmm. is likely to be a very, very different where I'm going to be like emailing them. I'm going to be tagging them on social media. I'm going to be, cause I want my brand to be identified with somebody that has that experience. Yeah. Your business card example makes so much sense because it, it really does communicate so much in just a tiny little I mean, really, it's kind of a tiny little piece of paper. <laughs> right, right. Well, and then you can go huge with that and say like your, you know, your digital business part is really your website. So how does your website look? I mean, is your website... Are you selling the super high-end product and your website sucks? Totally. Or are you providing that experience? As soon as someone lands on your page, you're like giving them value and and taking them on this customer journey. And it's it looks the part and feels the part. And then they want to invest even more. Like I... I can't stress that enough. I work with so many clients that have already have a, an established business and, and they kind of have a crappy website, but it's kind of like it's working, they're getting referrals. But I'm like, do you know how much better this would be? You could raise your rates, you could like stand out as a leader in your industry just by actually looking the part and, and creating that again, that client brand experience online, offline, everywhere. Yeah. Gosh, that's so good. You get to work with some really, really incredible people. I know you have some big names under your belt and your client list. Not trying to name drop here, but what I am curious about is, have you noticed some commonality, some common themes or some struggles even in the branding process that people have had to like kind of go down a journey? Maybe it's mindset, maybe Mm -hmm. it's something really technical, or maybe they're holding on to you know their website or their certain part of their brand because there's some kind of emotional connection even if it's not representing their brand well? Is there anything that comes to mind that you see kind of happen or has happened multiple times with clients as you work with them? That's a super good question. You know, a lot of my clients 
Well, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, when they're just starting, they DIYing all the things. And I think that, you know, like you said at the beginning, when you spend so many hours, like countless hours trying to figure something out, you tend to be like kind of emotionally invested into it. So you're like, well, I know my logo or my website or whatever it is kind of maybe, you know, doesn't feel right, but I spent all of this time. Like it's just harder to kind of start over when you've invested all of that into it. So I see that. And then I also, I see a lot of people, again, dive into that visual piece first without doing that discovery work. Like the discovery work is not fun, right? Like a lot of times, it just takes a lot of time to dive deep. Tell us more about it. What do you mean by discovery work? Yeah. So discovery work, we start every single project with a lot of discovery work. We really want to get to know the brand, the brand story, the person behind the brand. We also want to know your audience super well. We want to know your voice. We want to know your goals, both long-term and short-term, so that we can really, again, use design as a tool to help you do all of those things and like build up that brand that's super unique and special and different. But it takes time to dive into those pieces, right? So really uncovering your brand story, like why you're doing what you're doing, why you're so passionate about it, what your purpose is, what your unique skills, expertise is, all of that stuff, your unique proposition, all the, those little tiny details, your X factor. And then your audience, a lot of people kind of describe their audience in like this general demographic form, but it goes so much deeper than that. Like anyone could say like my, my audience is females between like 30 and 50 and they live in this kind of area and they make this much every year. But there's something really special that happens when you dive deeper into really, really connecting and knowing your audience, like at a like psychographic level. So who, who are they? What are their fears? What keeps them up at night? What are their desires? What do they need? What are they struggling with? Like knowing them at that level helps you create content that is really built specifically for them. So that's a big piece of it as well. And then goals. I mean, there's just this whole whole big discovery process that we go through to really uncover all of these things before, before we actually start building any brand elements for a client. Yeah, that's amazing. Sorry, I get all excited about discovery. Yeah, you should. That's what makes you so good at it. And I think it's really fascinating too, because I think most people would think like branding, oh, I'm just hiring a graphic designer. But what you're talking Mm -hmm. about really is brand strategy and like dig a lot deeper. You know, it's kind of like a recent experience I had with hiring a copywriter where it was kind of like, okay, here's my stuff. Here's all the things that need to be reworked. Like, okay, go. And they were kind of like, whoa, whoa, no, (laughs) let's go back. Let's dig in and let's kind of go backwards, like five steps and really start to Mm-hmm. begin people on a journey and really uncover like what is working, what isn't working, what are we after? Like you said, like what keeps them up at night? Like you have to really dive deep and to really do that kind of groundwork. I almost imagine it being like, it's not groundwork. It's like underground work. Like it's like the yeah. roots that go deeper, like under okay. the ground, you have to like let the roots grow first. The seed has to start to germinate and like the roots have to go down first before you can begin to do the upward part, like the part that's seen and more visual, like the... Yeah plant, you can't see the top until the root has already, you know, formed below. So I almost imagine it that way where it's like, you're talking about this, this whole part of branding that has to happen where you have to really dig deep and build some roots, get a whole root ecosystem built. And then you can start to build the more visual things like, you know, website or I don't know, letterhead. Nobody really uses that anymore. (laughs) But still, like when I think graphic design and branding, that's what comes to my mind from my training years and years ago. And then, you know, website and, you know, social media and all that stuff too. So, yeah. 
I'm interrupting this episode briefly to invite you to have a little fun with our quiz. We love a good rye whiskey Manhattan around here, and we couldn't think of a better way to integrate our love for food and cocktails into our business than to develop a quiz that will help you discover what your business is craving. What is it hungry for? We've got seven short questions to help you uncover areas of your business that maybe need a little love or a little growth. To tap through and find out your results, go to almondleafstudios.com forward slash quiz. Now back to the show. And I, I think that the issue lies when, you know, it can be so frustrating if you're starting your business and you have started with all the design stuff, you've kind of jumped the discovery phase yeah. and you're, you're in this place where you're trying to kind of guess what works and what doesn't like, well, this is not landing. So I guess maybe it's my colors or maybe it's my fonts yeah. or maybe it's my messaging. Maybe I'm not reaching my, my customers. So maybe I'll tweak this or that, or maybe it's my images. Like there's this whole guessing game that goes on because you're not totally. super clear on who your brand is underneath the surface. And so that's when you're just kind of all over the place. And a lot of my clients come to me just kind of feeling like they're flailing around trying all the things. And so that's always to go back back to. Yes, 100%. I feel like I've lived that experience and I've watched so many others do the same as well, where, you know, they're like, well, I don't know. And so we can even talk about that too, a little bit, like from a photographer standpoint, specifically, I see this happen a lot where somebody is like representing their brand in a certain way on their website. And I don't even want to get into like fonts and colors and all that we can, but, but even just from an image standpoint, one of the things that I see happen over and over again is they are telling me the kind of client they want to be attracting. And they're confused at why that client is not interested or attracted to their website. And then when I go to the website, I see these images where they're, they're showcasing like flowers that are clearly very, very, very low budget flowers when they're Mm. wanting to attract a high end high-end client. And so trying to just help them understand like, Hey, that client that you're talking about that you want to attract is not going to be showcasing. They're not interested in flowers like this. So by you posting this image, you're just communicating to them, Hey, I'm not the one for you because I like serving these kinds of people, or this is the kind of wedding that I love to showcase. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, being a low budget bride or a low budget photographer. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's all about the the alignment. Like what's matching up? Are you wanting to attract somebody that is more, you know, rustic and boho and your branding needs to reflect that. And so you've got a lot of those boho brides or are you wanting to attract? I, there's one example that's coming to mind too. Somebody that I saw. And I remember we did this critique with her website and I saw like images of somebody that was very, very formal and really beautiful, much more kind of classic, timeless. I would even say a little bit traditional. So lots of whites, lots of, you know, just very formal. And then she also had this photo shoot that she had done that was kind of an elevated boho shoot where everything, you know, was these really like rusty colors and there was a lot of organic stuff. And so we just had to have this conversation like, hey, there's a lot of confusion happening here on your site Mm -hmm. because you're, you've got a lot of these clients, but then they're promoting your showcasing, but then you've also got a lot of these over here. And so helping her Mm -hmm. figure out neither are right or wrong, but which one is true to you? Like what feels best to you? And I think, yeah, I don't know, I'm getting on a soapbox here with all of this, but I think it's really interesting to, you know, also take it a step further than just like brand colors, but fonts and the things that you naturally would go to mentally when you think branding, but go from that to like, even the images that you use, even the way that you represent yourself on Mm -hmm. your, uh, you know, are you being a little more shy or, or an introverted in the way that you're presenting yourself? Or are you able to show up and have some, you know, you're looking straight at the camera images of yourself, which it can be challenging for a lot of us. Cause a lot of yeah. us as creatives, like we don't 
want to be seen. We want our work to shine for ourselves. We don't yeah. want to be seen and known in that. So anyway, I don't know, just on a tangent. With no, I, I love all of that. Well, first I was going to say like, as far as like being seen, I work with a lot of actually a lot of personal brands that don't even like to be the forefront of their brand. And I like to remind them again, it is about your audience. It's not about you. It's about serving them. And so really, you know, meeting them where they are and getting out of your own way and out of your own head and just like helping them. And so having the those images and the copy that speak directly to them is super important. But I would say photography or working with photographers has been interesting for me as well. I feel like photographers, when they first get going, they're kind of focused on all the different kinds of photography. Um, Maybe they really want to do weddings, but they're still doing like senior portraits and their family sessions and they're doing boudoir and they're like doing... I mean, they're just kind of playing around. And okay, fine. If you're just trying to figure out what it is that lights you up and excites you, awesome. But when you get to a point where... I, I feel like you have to find that niche. Like what is it that you love? And not just the style of the photography, but like what niche? Mm-hmm. Like if you love weddings focus in on weddings and then figure out what kind of weddings. Do you like outdoor weddings? Do you like small weddings, big weddings, elegant weddings, more casual weddings? Like really, again, that discovery work will help so much as you continue to really like find your brand and hone your voice and all of that stuff. Just always coming back to that. Yeah. I think that the sooner that you could figure out who your brand is and where you want to take it, the better. Because those people that have the sites that have all those different kind of like services and they really want to be doing weddings, but for some reason they keep just booking senior photo shoots or family shoots or whatever. Like the reason why is like you said, on their website, they're not focused and it's totally. And so it's really, really important. And if you do want to do those different things, make different sites for them so that you can be honed in on those. That was going to be my next question because I was going to say one of the things that I like to teach people when we're working with them one-on-one because a lot of times the, the resistance to that is, but I'm multi-passionate, right? Like yeah. I like doing family mm-hmm. photos and I like doing infants and I like doing pet photography or senior photos. Yeah. And I like doing wedding. Like I like doing all of it. So who are you to tell me that I need to just choose one is kind right. of the resistance that happens sometimes. You know, I, I always like to think like, I know you and I've talked a lot about this. Like when you're building a part of your business and you're trying to grow your business, Two analogies that come to mind are the soccer ball analogy. You know, I think you and I have talked about this. We've had Mm -hmm. conversations about this. The soccer ball of like, you can only kick... If you have time and energy to kick a ball five times to try to make a goal, if you kick one ball, each ball, you have five balls and you kick each ball once, you're a whole lot less likely to reach that goal than you are if you kick one ball five times. If you put that same effort into five kicks to one ball or yeah. another, one, another version of that is a bridge. Like if you're trying to build a bridge, you are where you are today and you have a goal of where you want to get in your business. And there's you know a valley between you and you've got to build a bridge to get across the valley, right? And if you're going to do it, if you start building a bunch of half built bridges because your energy is so divided and you know one bridge over here is like I'm really trying to perfect my weddings and the other bridge is I'm really trying to grow my senior portraits and then the other bridge is I'm thinking about offering a photo booth at weddings or you know whatever it might be you've got all these different things going on but instead you you don't perfect that one system that one bridge and really master that first to get across to mm-hmm. that goal I feel like it's not about telling you you cannot do those other things. It's about saying, 
which one do you want to do? Like you've got to get really, really clear and really specific on it so that you can really master that one. Then once you've mastered that one, that bridge is built and you're good. You've got a system and you've got clients coming in and you're good to go. By all means, go build another bridge, go build another website, start attracting Mm -hmm. a whole different business, really a whole different arm of your business over here. But until you've got that one mastered, I think we just spread ourselves too thin because we feel like, well, we're multi-passionate and this is easy income. So I'm just going to take whatever comes. And so it's hard to get clear on that. Yeah. I think just people don't even realize they're doing a disservice to themselves. They think, oh, well, I'm just opening the doors to more clients. Mm -hmm. But really, I I hate to say it, but kind of devalues your what you're offering in a way. Because I mean, even if you think about it beyond the website, in your marketing, your social media, everything, your content strategy, if you're sharing, (laughs) you're pushing out content about all these different things instead of just focusing on like, I want to do weddings. So everything that I put out there is about helping my bride or like whatever it is, like you're really focused on that content. But if you're focused on all these different areas and all this different content, it's just, it's a mess. And no one really understands your specialty. So it's really important to to start with one and and really hone in on it. Yeah, I work with a lot of people that are kind of multi-passionate too. And it's always like a struggle to figure out how you kind of merge these things together. But I always, always try to get them, like you said, to really hone in on the one thing that they're most excited about first. And then there's nothing saying that you can't either pivot or start something new or, you know, create this kind of side, another kind of side thing to your business. Like there's always that, but you you have to focus on that one thing if you want to actually get further faster. Yeah, I totally Totally. Yeah. I feel like we could go down a whole rabbit hole there. I'm thinking of like personal (laughs) life examples of like, if I want to hire somebody, I typically don't want to find somebody that does that thing and seven other things. Like I want to hire the person that is an expert at that thing. Like, and even if I have to pay 10% more, if I know they're going to do the job right and do it well, and I'm going to feel really good about that investment, I'm much more likely to purchase from that person instead of... Mm -hmm you know, somebody else who is like, yeah, I do that as like a side thing. And I do this and this and this and this, I'd be like, I don't know. I think this person over here is going to outwin, you know, like outsell that. So yeah. yeah. And they'll probably make more money doing it. Absolutely. And probably have more time too, because they're able to charge for their worth a little bit better because they Mm -hmm. know that they're, they've become an expert at that thing. Right. Totally. All kind of tying back into the whole perceived value thing for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Let's shift gears a little bit though. And let's talk more about your journey of, I'm super fascinated and impressed with you and how I remember even when we met and you were like, yeah, I run this design agency and um, (laughs) you were kind of learning more about you and what you do. Like, I'm really, really curious because I think so many of us as entrepreneurs, as creatives, as solopreneurs, a lot of times we we get into this where because we have a creative passion. We have something that we love, we want to go after. We're like, that sounds really cool to be able to make that a career, to be able to make money off of that, to be able to live the life the way that I want. And as you get into it, you start to realize like, wow, there's a lot more to this than I thought. There's a lot of business strategy that has to go in behind it. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people get very overwhelmed with that. And so it's, they get really stuck in this kind of solopreneur mentality. I did for many, many years mm-hmm. myself. And I, I've seen it happen with a lot of other people as well. And so I'm really curious, like, how did you expand beyond that? What allowed you to kind of say, you know what? Maybe I don't want to be the only designer. Maybe I'm going to hire somebody to help 
take on some of the design work and maybe I could kind of begin to to migrate myself up the ladder almost. I, the ladder yeah. isn't the right analogy, but I almost see this kind of like, the more you bring people in, the more you're able to kind of step up a role to start to begin to manage and start to oversee things and start to dream a little bit more because you freed up your time and energy and space to mm-hmm. kind of future cast. Like, what do you want for your business? So what mm-hmm. was that process like of going from, hey, I have a creative passion, a creative dream to now I run a business, a whole agency that has multiple designers underneath me. Yeah. I totally know. I mean, I feel like every every entrepreneur gets like those first few years, it feels like almost you're butting your head up against the wall trying to figure things out and trying to wear all the hats and do all the things. And I definitely went through that. I think, you know, I, I feel like the biggest thing for me is I've always been focused on the people. Like I love being creative, but I also just really, really, truly love who I serve. And so... For me, it was kind of an easy, easy transition to kind of start building more, building my team because I knew that, you know, again, me walking my client through brand strategy and maybe building their logo and web design was only kind of the beginning. They also needed help with their messaging, with their photography, with an ongoing like marketing strategy, like all these different pieces of their brand. And so, and I saw that like a lot of times people would come to me, they're like, okay, I'm going to spend this money, invest it, and then it'll just magically work. Right. (laughs) Like, no, there's so many different pieces involved here. And it's, you know, building your brand is really this ongoing process forever. Like you're always tweaking and refining and building and scaling and all those things. And so, I started bringing in people to serve my clients and, uh, you know, someone that, you know, really needed a website, but their copy was meh. Like I'd bring in a copywriter for that project and then a photographer or whoever they needed. I'd start kind of building a team around each specific project. And that kind of just happened naturally over a couple of years. And pretty soon I kind of looked down and realized like, Oh my gosh, I, I'm actually not (laughs) a solopreneur anymore. I have all these people working with me. And then I went through this other phase, you know, that happened. I've been in business for over a decade. So I feel like that really happened. You know, I was kind of banging my head against the wall for the first three years trying to figure out how to make it all work. And then naturally, like, started bringing people in the next few years. And then even in the last few years has been an, another kind of transition for me and my business, just being able to stand back kind of out of the actual design work and be more of the creative director. So I've always had my hands in the design, doing the design. But for me to take myself out of it was a new challenge. Again, it was it was about the people as far as like the designers I was hiring, really trusting them, building relationships with them. And then I love working with them to create the things for our clients. And so yeah, I think the the way that I did it was just to really focus on the people. I think if I was that's the way that I got out of my own head and really helped me scale. I love that. And I know you've invested in some different support too along the way that has helped because I know that one of the things that I admire about you is that you have done so much kind of mindset work too. And so Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like how does that play into your ability that to... For me, one of the biggest challenges has been releasing control, especially as a designer. I would imagine that's really challenging for you Mm -hmm. because you have to give up some control with that and allow allow somebody to take on things that you maybe would naturally lean towards control. And again, for me, the the photo version of that is editing. Like editing my images has been one of the greatest gifts to outsource, has been incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. And I feel like it is 
so life-giving, but I know there's so much resistance to that for so many people. And there was for me as well, because it feels very close. Like it's my image. It's, it's my baby. It's my work. So I'm curious as a designer too, like how much has mindset stuff kind of shifted into that or played a role in your ability? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mindset is so huge. Coaching has helped me dramatically. As far as control, I feel like, yes, I absolutely, (laughs) I am very detail oriented and I want things just so. But I think for me, something that's really, really helped me is to kind of replace, replace control, my need for control with wanting to be a better leader. And really, um, instead of trying to control the whole situation, kind of reframe that into how can I lead this situation? How can I lead my people or empower my designers or whoever's working on this project to level up and do better? Or you know, how can I do a better job of sharing my vision or whatever that looks like? So I think that's been really helpful. But yeah, I feel like uh, along my whole journey, I, as soon as I started investing in coaching, again, I feel like it was about that three-year mark where I was like so over the guessing game of like, how do I build my business? That I started hiring different coaches, life coaches, business coaches. I have a design-specific coach that I've worked with. And... I think a lot of people have resistance of hiring coaches because it does cost money and they're like, well, do I really need that? I'd rather spend that on whatever in my business. But it, it's it been really life-changing and business-changing for me just to be able to get feedback from people that have been in the trenches and have gone through what I've gone through and can give me very specific strategies and helpful tips to help me expand and grow personally and professionally. So that's been that's been huge. And I definitely see like, Everything that I invest into myself and my business always comes back to me, mm. like in some capacity, whether it's through, you know, me showing up and getting featured. I was actually featured last year in Marie Kondo's new book. And that was like something that just happened kind of like uh, it just randomly, but it was all about me showing up. And like I was working with my coach at the time of like really putting myself out there. And that was something that kind of, it was kind of like, what do they call it? Like serendipity. Like it just kind of like happens. And so I think that there's all these little things that happen when you decide to level up and grow and put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, we've had some amazing conversations about vulnerability that has to happen just by nature of being a business owner, by being an entrepreneur. Yeah, <laughs> It's just like an ongoing invitation to work on yourself, which then trickles into your business. And I think so many of us feel like, again, I did for years, feel like I need to work on my business instead of spending that energy working on myself and on mm-hmm. my own personal growth. And mm-hmm. seeing having some coaching myself that has helped me kind of flip that mentality has been truly transformative. Like it's been really, really game changer, not just for my business, but for my life. Like being able to get more present with my kids when I'm with them, instead of always thinking about, no, it's an ongoing battle. It's, you know, there's no, like I've arrived at that. Like Mm -hmm. it's an ongoing invitation to Mm -hmm. continue to work at that. And I certainly am better at it in some seasons than I am in others, but having that shift has really, really helped a lot for me to see some of that as well. And I've, I've witnessed that in you also. So yeah. Yeah. I'm a big believer in coaching and mindset work. Yeah, I think there's some, you know, you kind of mentioned like the cost that that sometimes there's, I feel like this is going to sound like it's like a big promotion for coaching and it's totally not. I just know that we both really value this, but I feel like there's a lot of times this, you know, the thought of like, well, that costs a lot of money. Like, I don't know if I can do that. And I love that you were saying that it came, it came back to you. Like it's always come yeah. back to you somehow. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking a ton about, you know, a lot of times 
when you want to grow your business, a lot of times you need to invest something. So that's either time or money. And I think a lot of times, if you can really put it down on paper of like, okay, realistically, or maybe look at past experience, maybe that's better because you don't necessarily know how much time is going to be involved with like achieving a new goal. But if you look at past goals and you go, hey, this one I invested X amount of dollars in and it helped me get to this place or to this goal, achieve this goal. And this goal I decided not to invest in, but I had to invest my time in. For me, when I look back at those things in my life on my business journey, I immediately am like, it's a no brainer. Like I would much rather take the risk of the money because usually it takes me five to 10, 20 times longer to achieve Mm -hmm. that goal than if I would have just invested a little bit of money with some coaching. I could have accomplished that a whole lot faster or learn to outsource it. Or, I mean, it just, looking back, there's so many times where I'm like, man, I really chose to learn that lesson the hard way by doing it myself for so long. Yeah. Well, and and to bring that back to branding, I love what you're saying, but I, I think a lot of people are like, I just don't want to invest in invest the money into building mm-hmm. a logo on a website with a designer or expert. It is costly. It is quite an investment. So they go into like, you know, that 200 hours of like fumbling with all the things and DIYing all the things. And I'm like, what if, like, don't you, you could be so much further if you just invested the money into building your business and invested your actual time into building up your brand as far as like doing content and marketing and getting better at your craft and like really putting that effort behind the scenes into, you know, building up your business and letting the expert actually Mm -hmm. (laughs) design the thing for you. And I mean, that's going to be applied to your business in so many different ways, but it's always like trying to figure out where to spend your time. And I think it's really important to stop and ask yourself, I still do it. Like, is this wise for me to be spending my time, you know, right now, like writing a blog post, like, should I be writing a blog post right now? Or should I be hiring someone to do that? So I could focus my energy and effort and expertise somewhere else. And so it's it's just, I think it's something that you have to constantly come back to in business. Totally. I can remember multiple times where like, you know, that 200 hours invested in my DIY website. Like (laughs) I was like, okay, we're almost ready. We're going to launch it. And you launch it. And there's like all this momentum and this energy that's going into it. And you're like, yes, as soon as I hit publish on this new website, like all these clients are just going to start flooding Mm -hmm. in. And then you hit publish and you're like, right. Nobody cares. Yeah. You're like in, in the analytics, like yeah. okay, there was five people the last right. hour. Right. Day. Like why, why is nobody here? Why is nobody on yeah. there? Why, why yeah. am I, my inbox not flooded with new inquiries? Right. Because again, I think the website is a great representation of your brand, but there's so much more work that goes into that. And so yeah. I, again, I would say even take it a step further of, you know, could you be writing content? I agree with that hundred percent, but also could you be setting up a workflow of how are you going to be attracting new clients once that website does go live? And once your new branding is in place, like what is your workflow? Could you learn a little strategy around that? Or could you learn how, you know, to set up the back end of a workflow to make sure that you're never dropping the ball with a client because you've got 20 clients that year that you're working with. There's just so many other things that I think our time is so limited because we only have 24 hours in a day. And Mm -hmm. I think if we could get really strategic about that, you know, and and really kind of hone in on where, again, where's your expertise? Like, where's the best use of that time? How can you best invest it? I think it's a, it begins a different conversation. So Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Well, I just adore you and your work and your branding. I love what you do. Um, Again, for those of you that didn't hear her mention it earlier, she has an amazing quiz. You want to tell us again about the quiz and about maybe the brand accelerator or some other ways that people can work with you? 
Yeah. So we have a brand quiz, which is a really fun way just to kind of get to know your your vibe and visual aesthetic. And then if you take the brand quiz, you'll get a really cool PDF that talk, that shows you like a couple example mood boards and color palettes and kind of the feel of your brand. But then you'll be also sent a couple emails just talking about what you need to do next and talking about that discovery piece and how important that is. I also have a new mini course coming out called the Brand Vision course. And it's all about that discovery piece that we've been talking about. So that's on my website. I have a brand accelerator program. I have There's just so many different ways that you can work with us. So just come say hi on our website and take the brand quiz. Tell me what you get. And yeah, like I said, I love people. So come You're so hi. good at it too. You're so fun and easy to talk to. Tell us more about your website and yeah, and where where can they? Find um, you? so oh yeah, I didn't even mention like actually where to go. Um, Outlaw Creative <laughs> is my agency, but you can go to outlawcreative.com and then all of our social media handles are Outlaw Creative too. Awesome! So. Thank you so much yeah. for taking the time, Sasha. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate you. If you enjoyed this podcast today, do us a favor and hit subscribe and then leave us a review. In fact, to celebrate the launch of this podcast, we're doing a giveaway of $100 via Venmo for one lucky reviewer each month for the first three months. All you have to do is leave a review and be sure to drop your Instagram handle in the review so we know how to get in touch. If you're looking for more, you can find us at almondleafstudios.com or on Instagram at almondleaf. Remember, you are enough. You are love. You are light. And you are worthy simply because you exist.